What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? One episode that's been on the list for a while now is revealing how we do our AI images. It's funny that like most of the comments we get on our social posts when we share episodes, it's it's not like, wow, amazing content. I love the CDP topics. I, I learned so much about email deliverability. It's actually usually just like, oh, the cover art is so cool. Like, that's amazing. What's the prompt <laughs> that you use for that? What tool are you using for these amazing images? So without further ado, let's go behind the curtain and walk you through uh, the process that we used to repurpose our audio-only podcasts into long-form blog posts packed with eye-popping AI images. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Knack. Launching an email or landing page in your marketing automation platform shouldn't feel like assembling an airplane mid-flight with no instructions, but too often, that's exactly how it feels. Knack is like an instruction set for campaign creation, from establishing brand guardrails and streamlining your approval process to Knack's no-code drag-and-drop editor to help you build emails and landing pages. No more having to stop midway through your campaign to fix something simple. Knack lets you work with your entire team in real time and stops you having to fix things mid-flight. Check them out at knack.com, that's K-N-A-K, and tell them we sent you. So I whipped up a main takeaway for this one, JT. Feel free to add anything to it, but uh, ditch your raw transcripts and transform your audio podcasts into visually engaging blogs with unique AI-generated images. Ditch lame stock images. I still see so many people use stock images, and it just blows my mind. (laughs) Learn how to use MidJourney for standout visuals to elevate your content and captivate your audience. But a word to the wise, these AI tools for image generation are very addictive. Use them at your own peril. So the agenda I have for the episode, GT, and we can throw this out of the water completely if we get into a tangent or whatever. But I wanted to start off. (laughs) I wanted to start off with like, how do we turn our audio only podcast transcripts into long form blog posts um, using ChatGPT? And then how to get started in mid-journey. There's a couple of steps to get started. Want to walk folks through like setting up your Discord server, adding a couple of important bots, and then picking a consistent style. And then we'll talk about like how to bring your content essentially to life with these uh, AI-generated images and uh, make you stand out with like unique cover art that matches your featured guests. So we'll we'll get into some secret sauce there. And in that third part, you can like quiz me about oh, yeah. what the folks uh, commented on your post there. Yeah, I've been dying to interview on this, this uh, topic myself. So one of the key takeaways for me is understanding how to get consistency out of these tools is actually, I think, a subtle... Uh, skill that everybody needs who's working with these AI tools. Like I am very deep with GPT-4. I use it a ton in my day-to-day. And what I've noticed is it takes a lot of finagling and finesse to get consistent results. And I think nowhere else is it more evident when you're trying to do image generation. And like, I just kind of joked about this on LinkedIn, but you've, you've said it to me a few times. I'm like, dude, these images are wild. They're so cool. And you're like, ah, it's easy. Anybody can do it. And then I went in and I tried to do it. I'm like, no, Feld, there's a there's a secret sauce here. So <laughs> out of this, I think there's a general how do marketers use AI? And we've got a great use case here uh, to talk about this. 
And I'm just going to jump right into the first question and, and dig into how to turn your audio only podcast transcript into a long form blog post. And not, you know, quite a while ago and the beginning of this season, we started using otter.ai to upload our transcripts and then get like a, a verbatim removed of all the ums and ahs. What's the first step in your process to converting this long, but often not so great raw transcript into the beautifully polished blog posts that are now the standard operating procedure for all of our guest interviews in our own hosted episodes? Yeah, I'll actually give you credit for this idea. Like I, I thought this was really cool. We had the Dan Balkowski episode and you uploaded that to Otter and you're like, hey, like what would happen if I just like fed like chunks of this transcript to ChatGPT to just like clean it up and turn it into an SEO optimized blog post? And I was like, shit, that's brilliant. I love that idea. And so now I have just like a process where I have a prompt that I just copy paste into GPT uh, after we've got a transcript uh, a transcript for for one of the episodes and I'm basically telling GPT I'll provide podcast transcripts with Dan or Scott or whatever our guest is and I want you to convert convert each question and answer into a blog passage right in the third person only no fluff or weird words remove ums and likes and each passage gets an H2 title and ends with a key takeaway. Are you ready for the first question and answer? It's like copy paste that every time. And uh, GPT is just like, yeah, let's go. Um, and so I copy paste the question that we ask our guests in the transcript. And then I copy paste the answer, the long winded answer. And then I just let GPT like turn it into something legible and actually really interesting. Oftentimes, sometimes it's like, hallucinating and it's really bad and i need to tweak the prompt and say like oh cdp was mistranscribed there chat gpt was mistranscribed but like for the for the most part it's actually really cool like it'll turn so like quick example scott's answer on asking him like what are the challenges that ai to, has to replace everything a marketer does his answer was like yeah i think i'm still in the camp where like you know i would call good marketing yeah ai is not going to replace you know that work anytime soon blah 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 like long-winded mm -hmm. answer yeah chat gpt turns that into h2 the future of ai and marketing not a replacement but a tool scott firmly places himself in the camp that views ai not as a threat to marketing jobs but as a crucial tool for the modern marketer blah 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 and then key takeaway the future of ai and marketing is not about replacement but about enhancement the job of a marketer won't be replaced by ai instead it'll be reshaped by those marketers who can successfully integrate ai into their strategies so that's like the raw output of chat gpt yeah. there and I've just like, I've gone crazy with that. And like, I'll just like, I'll turn all of our transcripts into, so like it's question by question, right? So it's, it, it is like, it's not super slow, uh, but it's not like super fast, but the output, I'm always super impressed with it. Well, and I think, you know, just to weave in a, a few things here and, and, and I'll end this with a bit of a question directed to you. Like, I think one of the things you see very common in podcasts is just put the raw transcript up which is valuable. Like um, in my research for the Dan, the Dan Baklowski episode, I actually, I found some transcripts that he did and I was using GPT to crawl mm -hmm. it and, and pull out some insights. So I think nice. it's actually really like, anybody's got a podcast, like, why don't you do this? Um, and it's also great. I'll, I'll throw in something I do a lot of is using voice transcription just for my day, 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 day to day, things like project management, creating a task list, uh, instruction sets for something that we're doing. So it's pretty cool kind of capabilities. However, 
like the, our interviews with like Scott was like an hour long interview almost like we're producing a ton of words. You're going way beyond what you can get in terms of the copy and paste functionality from this. So there's a lot of back and forth. I'm sure that happens to keep, first of all, the answer is consistent. Like the blog posts that accompany each episode are very consistent in terms of the style. What tips and tricks have you learned for keeping GPT on the rails in terms of being consistent in its output? Yeah, so I have a prompt that sticks to a specific um, style. So I've played around with, you know, like referencing uh, some of the marketers that I read the most and respect their their writing style the most. Like uh, at first I was using uh, Rand Fishkin and I ended up settling on Seth Godin and they both have... I don't find that like GPT's output really respects like the style of of either of those folks. But I feel like when you prompt, like if you say like um, summarize this transcript, the output of ChatGPT versus if you say summarize this transcript in the high quality style of Seth Godin and Rand Fishkin, it is a much different answer mm -hmm. and they write way differently. And I like to always specify like uh, no fluff or weird words. Mm -hmm. GPT just loves like throwing out random words that you can just spot out. Like, okay, <laughs> chat GPT wrote this cause it makes no fucking sense. Yeah. No human actually uses that word. Um, but yeah, like those, those are the two tips that, that I would say there, because, uh, when, when I reference like some of my favorite, uh, authors in there, um, and it's like, I would say that maybe for one post, I'll stick to one or two authors. Um, but like, uh, like I've tried Dan Ariely as well. He's one of my favorite authors, uh, Malcolm Gladwell. So I'll stick to like one for one post maybe, but, um, yeah, it's it still like switches from, from episode to episode. And, uh, yeah, I, I find that like, at least the output is higher quality than like the default GPT answer. Yeah. I find, uh, just to add in my own experience here, like I have found <clears throat> that if you don't put in some solid examples, GPT kind of goes back into, I call it like the LinkedIn lunatic kind of style of writing. Like it's way over the top. It's loaded down with adjectives and superlatives that just make no sense. And it reads like AI generated content. Yeah. Freaky enough because I've written enough content on the internet. I can actually prompt it with my name and get it. No listener do this, please. But I prompt it with my own name and give mm -hmm. it some references. And it's able to actually generate my writing style pretty effectively. Yeah. Uh, so that's actually kind of an interesting one. I'm sure with custom GPTs, you're going to see all kinds of new authors come out, which opens a whole nother can of worms. But before I, like I go that you're there, referencing specific examples, because if you were to just prompt it, like right in the style of John Tiller, it would probably find you like relics from back in the day in the first early blog post oh, yeah. at clipfolio.com. Oh, yeah. And it totally does. Like I've I've recently written a blog post for for Clipfolio and I was like, I needed some help with some sections. And I referenced one of my old, more technical uh, articles and knew exactly what the article was, which freaks me out a little bit. But yeah, I mean. This is super cool use case for kind of how you can take transcripts and turn them into long form pieces of content. Um, I want to get into the meat of this. You're generating images throughout this and like the images are wild. Like you look at the images, they're all like based in metaphor and allegory. And there's something like moving about what we're getting. So, you know, I want to get some advice from you in terms of how you're generating these images. And how do you go about this? Like, do these images just pop out of your head? Like, how are you going from this transcript 
the long form blog post to these accompanying images that if, if anybody's looking at her blogs with it, like they're wild. Like some of them are super sci-fi focused. They're like naturalistic, but they all have a very consistent style. Phil, walk us through this. Yeah. So I, at first, like I was just like trying to come up with the prompts myself. Like if we have an episode about uh, like all of our episodes, the last question is like, how do you balance uh, work and, and home life? And so I, I struggled a lot with like, how do I come up with ideas that isn't a person walking on a tightrope, like balancing two things or a scale balancing two things or a person sitting down in like a happy place and like meditating. So I was like running out of ideas for that one. So I got the idea of just like, why don't I prompt Chad GPT to help me come up with like interesting metaphors and, and ideas to represent uh, something visually in this blog post passage. Mm-hmm. So my prompt to Chad GPT, I, I referenced Dali in there because it doesn't know what Midjourney is, but it knows what Dali is. So I, my prompt is write a Dali image prompt based on the paragraph below. So my prompt is asking ChatGPT to provide me a prompt um, based on the passage below that I paste after my prompt. Stick to one subject in the background. Start with the start of my post, uh, my prompt in mid-journey. So um, I'll, I'll unpack this later, but it's flat illustration, modern, geometric, and end with uh, AR 9.4. That's my aspect ratio of uh, nine wide, four high. Avoid using words, symbols, icons, or hands. No tightrope or balance scale. And give me 10 variations. Make them creative. Mm-hmm. So this iteration of the prompt has evolved a lot over time. Um, like the no tightrope or balance scale ended up adding in there because that output was always a fucking tightrope or balance scale. Um, but yeah, like, and, and the start of the prompt too, like the, the output basically is some cool things like, uh, so if I use the the Scott example again, so I'll, I'll start off with that prompt at the top and then I'll copy paste the full uh, GPT blog post passage from one of Scott's sections where he talks about like AI or potentially replacing marketers. So I paste that right under it and GPT gives me like 10 pretty interesting outputs. So I'll read a couple of them. Um, one of them is a marketer sitting at a desk with a laptop open displaying AI algorithms surrounded by gears and data charts. The next one is a robot holding a sculptor's tool, reshaping a clay model of a marketing's job depicted as a billboard. And so there's a bunch of other ones and they're pretty interesting. Some of them are like really lame. Some of them are like way too far-fetched, but some of them are just like cool enough for me to test it out. So because my prompt says like, start your prompt with this and then end it with that, I'm able to like scale the process a little bit more. And the one that I like the most, select it, copy paste it right into Discord in Midjourney. And then I just like enter that as the command. So I have my Midjourney prompt already with the GPT suggested part of it. But honestly, like it's 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 an evolving process. Like I've changed it over time because sometimes like the output I, I just really don't like. Um, but some of the things in the prompt that I've added in there over time, like stick to one subject in the background. Midjourney isn't really good at like two things or three mm-hmm. things. Like your prompt has to really focus on like one main subject in the foreground. And then maybe a couple things in the background, like a scenic view or a color or like a time. And then like your styling prompt after that. Uh, 
mid journey's really bad still with uh symbols and icons and hands like it if you want to say like uh, generate an icon of uh, recycling and an icon of like renewable energy, like it can't do that very well yet. I, I think at some point it will. Like Dally does that way better than than Midjourney does. Dally does words way better than Midjourney does too. Like they haven't really focused on on words yet. So yeah, those are those are my tips for uh, how I use ChatGPT to recommend some ideas to mid journey so i don't have to like start from scratch every time i mean that seems like a super cool use case just to repeat and make sure like i followed it along the way because i'm going to take all kinds of notes and then steal this for my own my own purposes but like the idea is that we go you go in you take the uh, the transcript you've already converted it into kind of a summary long form then you ask gpt hey give me a bunch of metaphors for this then you have a consistent uh a prompting style you generate 10 prompts and what you like you put into mid journey you let mid journey generate the images and then you you kind of pick and refine from there yeah exactly so, so my question kind of a sidebar question here is i've been with, with dally 3 i set up this like table for a consistent prompt and i was like oh i only want you to use this color palette and in both dally and in mid journey if i say the words color palette it will give me a palette like paint strips <laughs> at the bottom. It's so annoying. Um, so where do you think this type of consistent, like what have you learned to strip out and what have you learned to add into your mid journey prompts to get this extreme, very consistent style, certainly yeah. from my perspective um, that we generate. So the cool, one of the coolest features of mid journey is its ability to describe an existing image and tell you what the prompt would be for that image. So if you're, if you see something really cool out there, like you can take one of our cover arts, paste it into mid journey and then slash describe. And you copy that, that image that you just pasted in there. Mid journey is going to output like a similar ish prompt or a prompt that would provide a similar type of output. So if you're ever wondering like, how are some folks doing this and, and doing that? So um, I've actually used that myself to like improve our prompt over time, but I've settled on three keywords in the prompt that I use every time. So every time I've got flat, flat illustration in there, and we can talk about like some of the different styles in, in mid journey. Cause I feel like that's a key part of the onboarding process. Like after you've downloaded discord and you've got your bot set up, like you can start like exploring and like playing around with stuff. But like the second that you start using some of these images, like I, I spent a lot of time thinking about like, what is the style? of our images. Like, are they going to be real life like images? Are they going to be uh, like a video game style image? Are they going to be flat illustrations? And so I settled on flat illustration, this kind of idea of like a simple 2D elements, bright colors, no gradients or little gradients, shadows and like textures, clean, straightforward look that um, is is just part of the prompt every time. The second one is modern. Um, this one actually changes the output a lot. Um, and it's basically this idea of like simple function, clean lines, uh, avoids like excessive ornamentation and often mm -hmm. embraces like new materials and technology. So that's why you see like, sci-fi-ish elements in, in a lot of our images like that comes from modern and the third one is geometric that's just a style again uh, very similar to to modern in a sense that like it 
takes clean lines, basic shapes, like squares and triangles. Oftentimes, like it'll use shapes to do some of the shading in there, but it's very minimalistic uh, and precise. It uses a limited color palette. So those three things, like they're part of my prompts like every single time. And that's why it's part of the chat GPT uh, output as well that I just copy paste in there. But like sometimes I don't love the output. Like that's mm. something you just need to like be... Uh, ready to experiment with in Midjourney and any AI image generator, like you can just hit repeat and you're never going to get the same output. Like it's always going to be a unique output. And so like play around with stuff. So those are like my three core keywords, but there's three other ones that I like I'll throw in there sometimes when I don't like the output and I'm trying to like change things up a little bit. Neopop is a style that I've used a lot. Like this one has more bold colors, clean lines. Again, I use bold stencils sometimes like uh, high contrast colors, strong, clear lines and minimalistic. Um, this one doesn't always output in in, in some of our images, but uh, it kind of restricts the color palette a little bit more of a sense of calm and clarity. So yeah, that's, that's essentially the secret sauce. Like instead of like trying to do something different every time and trying to come up with the perfect image, like spend a bit of time and think mindfully about like, what is going to be the style that you want to stick to. And I think part of that is just like discovering mid journey, right? Like mm -hmm. you sign up for discord and in the main discord server, you can sign up for, or like go in these like newbie channels and you can see yeah. what everyone else is doing. And like a, a bunch of people use a bunch of different styles and stuff. And some of the images that you really like, you can copy paste those and then ask mid journey to describe a prompt that would output a similar image to that. And then like, just start writing down like, okay, like a lot of the posts that have flat illustration in it, like I love the look and feel of that. Like that's mm -hmm. going to be part of my style and then like play around with it after that. It was, uh, it was an evolution uh, process for sure. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool to listen to this and, you know, in the background, I played probably more a dolly than I have with mid journey at this point. And I found one of the things you said really resonated with me period with GPT. And I think all these AI tools is like, I've, I know there's tools out there today. I haven't played with many of them that capture like prompts and, and really have this like consistent prompting style. But I've got like this doc that's full of these either roles or prompts. And it's like <clears throat> getting this down in terms of having a consistent output is actually, I think, one of the core skills coming out of this AI. Like, you know, prompt engineering came out and everybody and their dog was a prompt engineer all of a sudden. But I do think that like prompt engineering is a real skill set and understanding how these, you know, large language models work to generate a consistent output. I mean, that is, I think, the secret sauce. But Phil, I I know I jumped ahead because I got <laughs> excited. I do that. I'm well caffeinated on a Friday morning. I want to take a step back because I think that so this week in preparation for this episode, I bought Midjourney and I signed up for Discord. I went through the whole process. I'll be honest, it was a little bit more intense than I expected it to be. Um, it felt a little technical, but now that I'm in, like now I'm in that exploratory phase that you just described. I'm in the newbie channel. I'm generating tons of stuff. Can we just take a step back and walk through kind of getting set up with Midjourney, some of the key things that you've learned? Um, so anybody listening can kind of maybe follow along a little bit. I know the blog post will also have some instructions and you've got a presentation from Mopsapalooza that you might share as well that kind of helped me through this. But yeah, why don't we st take a step back and talk about creating your Discord account, your Midjourney account, your own server. It sounds scary, but yeah, let's <laughs> demystify this. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, honestly, I don't, I don't find it super technical because I like learned about this by watching other people's tutorials. So like, I think they helped demystify the process and like make it seem way less technical than like the jargon about like adding bots and like creating a server. Like it's, it's really not that complicated. Yeah. So mid journey itself is, um, a discord channel a discord server but it also has a bot that you can connect to your own server so what i like to recommend folks doing like step number one is creating a discord account like no matter what like that's the 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 gateway into using midjourney um but once you've got your account created you can create your own personal server. So like, oh, I've created a humans of MarTech server where I do all of my experimentation in mid-journey. You don't have to do this. You can use a public channel in the mid-journey Discord server and let all the rest of the folks in that channel see what you're doing and building. And that's fine. Like if, if you're not doing anything that you want to be proprietary or you're not using real people's faces, like I'm using our guests' real faces. So I, out of respect, like using a, a private server for that. <laughs> um, but after you've got Discord set up, and by the way, there's a bunch of like tutorials on how to get Discord uh, set up and like intros to Discord because it does seem a bit overwhelming when you first log in and stuff, but it's similar to slack like it's uh like channel based communication uh tool itself um yeah you you get used to it over time but then you go on midjourney.com and then you join the midjourney uh beta invite on discord and you basically get invited to the midjourney server and that's when you can start like looking at some of the newbie channels like they've got newbies one two four like in the newcomer rooms there's a bunch of different channels you can go in and just see like what people are doing and and start getting familiar with stuff Midjourney used to be free, um, but around the time where I think like uh, the Pope Francis in a puffer jacket uh, earlier this year happened, like it flooded yeah. the servers and they had the ability to uh, require folks to to sign up. So it's it's well worth the 10 bucks to, to start playing around. Um, you basically just need to hit slash subscribe in, in Discord and you'll get a personal link to sign up. And you can always like um like remove your subscription like I've, I've been in and out like in the earlier days too but yeah now i'm still on the ten dollar a month um i'll sometimes upgrade and top up my allowance uh if we've got a bunch of blog posts on the go there but yeah that's that's essentially like the the first step in, in getting created and it, it does seem overwhelming because you're like adding servers and getting set up in discord but um use the guides out there like midjourney has a really good guide on how to get set up um and it, it walks you through like the basics of discord and it walks you through the basics of midjourney and how to prompt and the different style ideas and uh newcomer channels and stuff like that so yeah you don't need to like go in there and feel overwhelmed like if you feel overwhelmed there's a lot of like help articles that can walk you through it yeah and i found myself like i found it took me maybe 10 15 minutes to get it all figured out because you know we're we're you're setting up downloading discord for the first time if if you're like me then you're adding in a bot and you're creating your own server like it takes a it takes a minute or two but once you've got it figured out you're off to the races and moving moving uh, pretty quickly this episode is also brought to you by our friends at Census. 
Census is a data activation platform loved by marketing teams at Sonos, Canvas, Crocs, Notion, and more. As a customer, I've experienced the magic of Census firsthand. Their no-code audience hub and reverse ETL enable me to use our cloud data warehouse to power growth and create highly personalized customer journeys in all of my marketing platforms like Iterable and Google Ads. If you like the Humans of MarTech podcast graphics and you want your very own image, we're doing a monthly raffle for a personalized t-shirt designed by us. Enter to win at getcensus.com slash humans. Uh, one thing I find fascinating playing with Dolly myself is that a lot of your illustrations and images have a likeness to our guests. You mentioned the photorealism. Uh, and I know we've have some of our guests are even using the images that we've generated as our profile pics on LinkedIn. I hope to do that as maybe the outcome of one of this episode. <laughs> are you going to share how you do that? Cause you can't generate faces effectively with Dolly. Uh, and I'm not sure like mid journey is okay with that, but like, you're not going to get a good, I know Scott Brinker's the example used for Matsapalooza, but like, that was a great example of, of a fairly realistic face that was generated with mid journey. And what's the other tool you're using? Yeah, Midjourney is really good for like celebrities, like people that have a bunch of images out there already in the wild. Like it, you can generate really good, uh, you know, like <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a famous person that. Well, it'd be really uh, easy for me to generate an image because I'm so famous. You and I are so famous. <laughs> we'll just say, hey, hit me with the PGGAT stuff. Yeah, like Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, like yeah. Scarlett Johansson, like all of those like celebrities, like yeah. Midjourney will come up with the output like without you having to do anything else. Like the the, the output will look like that celebrity because it has a bunch of images with meta descriptions of that name outside like on the internet, right? But if you're trying to do something for you and I or like some of the guests that we've had on that aren't super social and don't have a ton of images out there, um, you need to get a bit more creative. So I've been using a uh, different bot on top of Midjourney. So it's a bit of a trial and error, but I start by dropping screenshots uh, in the blog post version of the episode. And it all starts with uh, a bot called Pixie.ai and it's created by Insight Facewap. Um, you can find their GitHub. I'll, I'll link this out to the blog post version of this right now, but it's just like Midjourney. You get a Discord invite and then um, you can basically connect that to your Discord server. But the creators, uh, InsightFace.ai, they're an open source Python library that offers 2D and 3D face analysis tools. And it basically brings together top-notch face recognition, detection, and alignment algorithms. And it's designed to train deployment phases using like research insights. And essentially like a long way of saying they have a really cool way of saving facial features and applying them to another image that doesn't necessarily look like that person. So I'll start by pasting a bunch of images of Scott Brinker that he has online on my private Discord server. And then the, my favorite one, you want to try to find one that's like um, facing the camera, uh, better to not have any glasses, high quality, whatever. Um, and then you save that image uh, to the inside face swap bot and you say this is scott like remember that this id name scott is this image essentially 
And then you go crazy. You create the image for Scott. The output doesn't really look like Scott. But then the one that you like, you right-click on the output and you say inside face swap, do your magic, apply Scott's face to that image. Hmm. And it's very much trial and error. Because what if we were trying to do this to an output of a real lifestyle image, it'd be a lot easier. Um, but we're trying to apply a real person's face to a flat illustration. And that's where things get uh, way trickier. And I'll, uh. I'll paste a bunch of these, like the the trial and error here that I walked through at, at my presentation at Mobs of Belooza, because it, it is it is tricky. Um, we're, we're following along in, in the doc here. But if, yeah, if you go to like the making the cover art for, for humans of MarTech, you can see some of the images for Scott. Um, the output is kind of like Scott because I start the prompt with like the images that I just pasted in there, right? So you you start by pasting three images, two images, can just be one image, it doesn't really matter. But then you right click, copy the link to that image and you make it part of your prompt. So it's usually the start of your prompt. So I've got like image link number one, two, and three. And then the prompt says in the style of flat illustration, Neopop, geometric, bold stencil, minimalist, and yeah. whatever else you want to add in there, plus your aspect ratio. And then you've got Scott's images at the start of that. The output is going to be kind of like Scott. Like, it's not perfect. Some of them you'll just be like, oh, yeah, like that's kind of a caricature type yeah. look of Scottish. Scott. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the ones that you really like, you right click and you apply the insight face swapper. And sometimes it looks really bad because you're applying a real life image to an illustration some of them even look like borderline creepy yeah. but eventually the output like in in the blog post i'm gonna have like uh, i was trying to play around with combining scott's flat illustration with a godfather image of marlon brando because he is the godfather of martech after all nice. um and then after that i just gave that up because i didn't love the output and i was like what if i have scott's martech uh, uh the, the martech maps like all the, the 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 famous landscape charts next to his flat illustration and then i was starting to get somewhere a little bit none of the faces really looked like scott um but eventually i got to a stage where i liked kind of the output and then I picked the one I liked the most and then applied Scott's face to it. Uh, you'll see that like in, in the blog post version, <laughs> the second one gives me kind of like Bob Sackett vibes. Like it, it yeah. really looks like the full house guy. And then you apply Scott's face to it. And it's like, damn, like, there you go. And that's the the cover art that I use for Scott. So that's that's the secret sauce behind making the actual output generation from the AI tools actually look like the guest itself. Yeah, I mean, you made it sound really easy uh, to to go through this, but like, and I know you'll share these images to accompany the blog post to go with this, but there is a lot of imagery. Like, I, I'm not counting it off the top of my head, but you probably went through, what, 15, 20 iterations of this to land on the design you 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 liked, and that worked. And like, some of the Godfather images are like, they're hard nose on Scott, and then there's some of them that I'm like, okay, you know, not bad. I could see Scott running a mafia. I wonder if his ears are burning. Um <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about like the qualitative, like as the human behind the system, what are you looking for? Like, what is it? What is the aha moment for Phil, Phil Gamash to be like, this is the image for the cover art? Yeah, I don't spend as much time on all of them as I did for, for Scott. Scott was a bit tricky and also knew that I was going to get a lot of eyeballs. So I wanted to make it kind of cool. Right. But like for me, the output has to at least like 
look at that or seem like it's the guest at least a little bit like have some mm-hmm. some similarities of the guest um but honestly like if you if you like i think one of the last images we'll have in there is just like some of the the most recent cover arts um and you can see that there's kind of a style and a trend to it but they're all still pretty much different um like lucy's episode like it's kind of got a bit of a different style like she looks a bit less like an illustration than uh david's episode and like sarah's episode has like monsters in the background and she was a big fan of that so we ended up rolling with that one so like you know at first at surface level like yeah these images seem to have kind of a style because again i am using the same keyword prompts in all of them it's all flat illustration it's all geometric and and blah 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 so there are like similar elements to it but the output is just like ultimately i'll end up settling on like three or four different versions and then i'll send it to the guest um now i send it to the guest and i let them pick earlier on i was just like this is the one that i like and i'm kind of going with it uh-huh. <laughs> like david jen actually when the episode was live reached out and he was like yeah like, everyone's commenting on on the image itself and he's like i didn't tell you this but i actually fucking hate my image oh, i was no. like Shit, no way <laughs> oh no but, yeah he's cool with it now but like yeah we didn't ask Juan, but like we asked ryan we got sarah to like uh, pick yeah. and choose so yeah, not not really. Uh, th- there's no like science to like deciding when you have something like uh, some of this is art, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I started my career in marketing as a graphic designer. Like I like to uh, think that I have a a good eye for like what looks kind of cool and and what doesn't and i feel like sometimes i just kind of see it when it's there but i'll shout out my wife too like usually i'm doing this on the couch while we're watching tv and i'll just be like oh which one do you prefer like this one or that one and she's like always like really opinionated i'll go with that one for sure like it's way better and so i usually go with my wife's gut (laughs) yeah it's a second opinion so it's so valuable and i think (laughs) Yeah. yeah like it's so cool to hear your process here right like i am not a graphic designer at all like i come at this like i always say like i'm crayon level at graphic design at best like my stick figures are even overweight they're just not good um but these ai tools for somebody like me like i'm now generating some some imagery and stuff for my own business and my consulting company i'm like oh i want a consistent style and it makes me feel like an artist like some of the stuff that's in my head i can actually get out on paper which is really kind of cool for the cover art like if you've done done any image generation and tried to use words, like it all reads like a different language because like it's weird pig Latin mixed with Greek and futuristic <laughs> alien stuff. It makes really cool diagrams. Like one of the, my favorite things to do in Dali, I haven't tried a mid journey is to do like photorealistic diagrams or Ikea diagrams or a Lego set building. Anyways, down we have words on our title art. How do you get those words in? What is the final step for Phil on making these this cover art? I, I don't think it's mid-journey, right? Yeah, no, I use uh now I just use Canva. Um I used to like spend a bit of time and making the title of the podcast fit on the cover art in Photoshop and I would like blend the image. Now I just like in the prompt specifically, I've got a nine-four aspect ratio. So that gives me a bit of room at the top of the image to just throw it in Canva, have the background color the same as the top of the image copy paste our logo at the top of that and our guest's name in there um yeah canva is probably my favorite free tool out there i don't know how it's still free but um yeah huge huge fan of canva so we've got let's let's do a quick 
tools? What what tools <laughs> are we all using for this? We're using yeah. So ChatGPT. Uh, we've got Otter AI to get the transcripts in there too. Uh, we've got Discord, we've got Midjourney, we've got Insight Face Swap Bot, uh, and then we've got Canva. I think that's probably all of them. It's quite the, the quite the tool stack. And again, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but since we've started this whole process, not only has like just the SEO for the website improved, you know, it, you know, it's kind of like the shoemaker's child, right? Like neither one of us put a ton of effort into the website beyond just posting the transcripts and, and the questions. But since then the SEO has gone up, but even more significantly, like our listens have gone up a ton. Like we've got way more exposure on the market. So I think this strategy has been a winning combination for us. And I think Phil is pretty generous to, for you to go through this process and share this. We're going to see a whole bunch of other podcasts now with all these <laughs> flat icons. But, you know, I think I think this is kind of like going to be the AI age. I think the people who are using these tools are going to use them to great effect. It's going to extend your abilities, but not replace them. Like we wouldn't have hired somebody to do this. This is all, you know, free labor on the couch watching TV beside beside <laughs> your significant other, hoping the kids go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was interviewed on uh, Benjamin Shapiro's uh, Martech podcast, and uh, he, it was like selfish for him. Just like he just wanted to know like how we did our AI images. He's like, I like to think that like when we search on Google that humans of Martech and the Martech podcast are the episodes that come up the most. But he's just like, I'm always so jealous of your images, and I'm mm. just like, damn, how does he do it? Like, I just want to <laughs> know how he does it. He's got to listen <laughs> so to this I, episode. I, yeah, well, I dropped the same uh, secret sauce on on his episode too. He's already downloaded Inside Face Swap and and started playing around with it there. But yeah, if there's like one tip, like I said, that I would give folks is to spend a bit of time before they like uh, start using any of the images that they output and like pick a style. Um, yeah. I'll have in the blog post version of this um, my output from from Mopsapalooza conference. So my prompt was. Imagine a person presenting during a virtual conference, and that's what I was doing for Mopsapalooza. And then I have a style prompt at the end of that. So like uh, you can see like cyberpunk and 8-bit and cubism and pop yeah. art. And you can even reference like video games, like show me that person presenting at a virtual conference, like Zelda style or like <laughs> yeah. GTA or Firewatch. Yeah, and so you cool. can like specifically reference like famous artists, like show me in the style of Picasso or Da Vinci or Warhol or Kubrick, like blah, blah, blah. But yeah. it doesn't have to be like these illustrations and these crazy crazy looking things like if your corporate company has a very like strict buttoned up style and your bosses want you to keep using stock photo imagery you can still use midjourney to generate real life images you can even reference like specific cameras and lenses and so like real life as a style it is a thing and the output is really freaking cool yeah. and like nikon af nikor 35 millimeter as like a style is is yeah. a thing and yeah. Anyways, there's there's a whole how, rabbit hole to go down there, but that's what I encourage <laughs> folks to do. Yeah, I think this has been this has been my struggle. You know, as I've uh, either tried to make it production ready for my clients, like I've got some ideas out there. I'm saying, hey, like, why don't we try this for social? It's working for the podcast. It might work for you guys. Like, hey, I'm sharing this too. Uh, but picking a consistent style that matches your brand, getting your color palette. Like we were talking before we went on air, 
the idea of these like color palettes, like I want to just load it up and say, you know, he, go to somebody's website, download their color palette from their CSS file. Boom. Only draw on these colors or accent with these colors primarily. I find, okay, I found Dolly was okay with that to some degree, but I've not been successful with Midjourney on kind of containing the color palette. And I've noticed like, for me at least, and maybe you can comment on this, like there's almost like a Midjourney default style that you have to, I don't want to say combat, but you have to be aware of. Um, like is this orangish, reddish, apocalyptic hue? I find it's kind of apocalyptic looking. Um, <laughs> like the sun is yeah. fading, and you know the Midjourney's the last artist on the earth, but it'll generate anything. But how yeah. do you kind of combat any of that, or kind of keep keep that in check when you're picking your styles? Yeah, so you can hit the command uh, slash settings in Midjourney, and you can decide the threshold of like they call it stylize so you can have like stylized low medium high or very high and very high has this very distinct like mid-journey sci-fi apocalyptic like you said output and and they all kind of like have this distinct style to them um I have it stylized as medium. You can try low and, and see the difference of it there. But on, on the color palette side, um, yeah, I don't use color palette in the prompt, but uh, I will sometimes reference specific color names. So I'll like for, for, I think it was census, like census has this like pink ish color to their brand. So I went on their site brand guidelines and I took the RGB code of their brand color. And then I went on a color uh, name uh, website that like allows you to convert an RGB code into a color name. And then I use that color name in my mid journey prompt. So okay. right at the end background is like Royal blue or background is like, whatever i can't come yeah, up yeah. with cool uh color images right oh, yeah. now but like yeah. you know when you go shopping at home depot and you're just like picking a yeah. color for your wall and there's all these crazy like names like midjourney knows the names of those images because they're meta tagged online so if you reference like royal blue like it'll give you the right blue as opposed to just like dark blue or like light blue or whatever yeah it's funny too because like when i've been referencing like rgb codes or hex codes like sometimes it'll shoot that it'll actually like start putting the hex code values into the image like it'll be show up as text just like we're looking at the nikon um photos and i was kind of laughing because it kind of like interpreted uh the word like i can see in the prompt that you included the photo or the the camera being used and there's one of the gentlemen at a at a lectern and he's got Nisikon, I don't know how to pronounce it, and <laughs> yeah. random words. Uh, these tools are funny too. Like you got to look closely. Like I was generating an image for uh, for a client, and we were doing like the digital shipwrights. It was super cool image. I showed you this, and it was like there's boats flying in the air, there's surfboards in the air, like people are half naked, like there's weird like hands for feet and and arms for legs, <laughs> and you just like if you look too closely to some of these things, like you've got to be a little bit. Yeah. careful because no real graphic designer would put a floating yeah. boat in the background i mean <laughs> none of my boats have ever flown um and if they do fly they always land very quickly yeah no that's a good point uh my wife jokes that like sometimes uh, i was showing her the output of the natalie miles episode that one was like using a bit of a different prompt like based on her personality and stuff and like if you look too closely at some of the icons and stuff like in that image you're just like 
what what is that is that like smoke is it a mountain is it a candy bar like what am i looking at it makes your brain hurt and it's just like don't worry about it just like look at it surface level does it look cool yes like it passes the vibe check (laughs) so before we start wrapping up this episode i want to ask you just like personal projects personal learnings like what are some of the things that haven't seen the light of day that you thought were pretty cool uh, unique or pet projects that you've worked on, insights. Yeah, what, what, what do you think is kind of cool with with all the AI generation that maybe we haven't talked about? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've covered like some of the cool stuff for sure. I think that like some of my favorite things to do when I'm not able to get like the output that I want using ChatGPT because my prompt for ChatGPT now is just like it's it's super long and it basically says like don't use this and don't use that because like ChatGPT just always defaults to those things like no tightrope, no balance scale, no garden, no cook, no compass, no lighthouse, no Swiss army knife. <laughs> it's yeah. like just a bunch of shit because it's like always the same <clears throat> stuff. And now honestly, like I don't even rely on ChatGPT a lot for that stuff. I will sometimes just Google. So like if if I'm trying to come up with, uh, let's say, um, what's a good example of this? Uh, I was trying to generate uh, an image of uh, an iceberg, you know, like the cool images where like you have the surface level, like this is what you see, but like beneath, like this is actually like all that's going on and stuff. I couldn't get Midjourney to output like an image of an iceberg where there's huh. something at the top of the water and then underneath the water. Couldn't do it. Couldn't figure out how to do it. So I went online and I Googled for some of those images, uh, some of those iceberg images, and I copy pasted one of them into Midjourney, asked Midjourney to describe it. And then based on the prompt from it, I was able to then finally like get the output from it. So I feel like that's like one, like the describe function in Midjourney is is so powerful because their engine is always changing and and, Mm -hmm. and updating and stuff so i feel like like now we're as we're recording this we're on model number 5.2 but like model number four when i started doing these ai cover art images like it wasn't as good as it is now like now i need to do less remixes i need to have less images in my cover art prompts so i rely a lot on the describe function now rather than just like telling chat GPT to give me a prompt without using hourglasses or a chessboard or a puzzle yeah. or a conveyor belt. Cause that's all it's fucking good for. I know. And it's like a surefire white way to, to get it included in your prompt. Like I, I remember saying to it, like, yeah, exactly. Do not include words in it. And then like <laughs> right in the middle, it was words. Well, it wasn't words. It was W R O D S S S. And it's like, come on yeah. GPT. Um, Sometimes GPT... I prompt GPT to do like the titles uh, after the transcripts and GPT just loves to have semicolons in the middle of their titles and you can spot GPT's writing out there based on this like semicolon yeah. like title oh, yeah. style and I'm always just like don't use semicolons or a dash and it yeah. doesn't matter how many fucking times I put that in my prompt they all it always has to fucking semicolon and it pisses me off so much man i know i try to use like custom instructions to get around some of this stuff and it doesn't work i gave gave my custom instructions a personality and went way over the top for a while like everything was an emoji anyways it's a whole nother thing (laughs) 
<laughs> um, GPT, have you used GPT Vision? Um, so like uploading, you can do the same thing, I guess, with Midjourney of where you upload an image and then oh, it yes. downloads it. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's been super cool. I've been testing that out for like uh, reading charts and like yeah. uh, analyzing. And it's like, yeah, like sometimes really freaking good. Sometimes just like, yeah, not, not super good. It's like hit or miss. Yeah. Like I honestly yeah. find sometimes that like GPT will blow me out of the water. And sometimes I'm just so angry at it because it's just so bad. And like, yeah. I sometimes feel like, especially when I'm doing like social posts for like a, a part of an episode that we're trying to promote, like sometimes I'll just copy paste it in chat GPT and I'll ask it to turn it into a LinkedIn post. Like nine times out of 10, I waste time doing that than if I just like had summarized it myself or come up with like a t- t- key takeaway. Um, yeah. So it's really hit or miss and it's not, it's not perfect yet. I'm not afraid of it replacing content marketers anytime soon, but does it help you to go faster? Does it help you to like stand out from the crowd of people? Like how many SaaS companies are using AI imagery in their blog posts or like on their product pages? Like there aren't a lot of folks. It used to be like the argument was like, Midjourney's output is like a small image. Like it's like a 750 by 750 pixel. That's bullshit now. They've added upscaling features to, to their product. So if you have something you really like, you can upscale it by 4X and it's got a pretty big uh, quality to it that you can use on your homepage. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I don't know. Like maybe the trend is is heading in that direction, but we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's wild to me still based i mean we're early adopters maybe i don't know um there's so many users to gpt it's still i encounter a lot of folks who don't use it and whether it's an ethical choice or a moral choice i think it's it's a challenging time for people with ai i think it's cool to see the use cases of it it helps demystify a little bit of what we're working with here and i think like one of the things we mentioned scott so much but it's been a thought that i've had since we interviewed scott is like this idea of AI is enabling single solo marketers to do way more than ever before. I'm a solo consultant. And since I brought on all these AI tools, like you mentioned them all, I use them all and then some, like it feels like another hire. It feels like I have somebody else on my team constantly working for me. And I'm not using GPT for instance, to write content, like I don't produce content through GPT, but I will go to GPT and get it to give me, Hey, help me, you know, navigate a table of contents. Like give me the outline for this, for this yeah. post that I need to write, or, Hey, can you review this and, and provide me with, uh, some feedback on that? And like, it's, it's powerful, um, to be moving forward with this, uh, these tools. Uh, if you're not using GPT, like for me personally, I would pay for GPT for, just so that you have access to the full suite of tools. But if you don't, GPT 3.5, I think is free still. So, yeah, it, it hallucinates a lot. But yeah, I, I agree. I think like one thing we didn't talk too much about is the, this idea that like it is pretty addictive. These tools are, are addictive. And yeah. as much as they can save you time, they can also suck you down a rabbit hole and end up like wasting a lot of your time. So I have that as kind of the last line in uh, in our main takeaway here. So yeah, hope hope folks found some some value out of this this episode. Uh, like we said, we're going to be turning this into a blog post version uh, with a bunch of images and stuff. Um, 
um, if you had the pleasure of going to Mobs of Palooza and you still have access to virtual talks, you can hear me talk about this for 40 minutes um, or you can check out this post. Uh, we'll copy paste a bunch of these images, but you heard it here first, folks. Ditch your raw transcripts and transform your audio podcasts into visually, visually engaging blog with unique AI generated images. Ditch those lame stock corporate images and learn how to use Midjourney for standout visuals that elevate your content and captivate your audience. But word to the wise, like we said, these AI tools are addictive, so use them at your own peril. This episode was also brought to you by Iterable. Your customers didn't fall in love with a robot, they fell in love with your brand. Your customer data can be more than generic conversation starters, they can be meaningful relationship starters. Iterable makes it easy to turn your data into joyful interactions. As a customer myself, along with companies like Redfin, Calm, and Box, I've seen how Iterable is leading the way as an AI-powered marketing automation platform. While the old guard is still struggling to update their user interfaces from the mid-2000s, Iterable is way ahead of the game with a drag-and-drop journey builders, A-B testing, and AI features. Iterable keeps you ahead of the game with the latest AI features so your customers continue falling in love with your brand over and over. Check them out at iterable.com and tell them we sent you.